Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. So it's been a little while since I last recorded and that is not by accident. It's just I haven't really seen anything that really struck me lately. I have seen the new Indiana Jones film and that was pretty much the most recent film that I've seen next to the film that we're going to be talking about today. The other reason for my slow output of episodes recently is the fact that I haven't really been at home lately. I've been working, I eat, and then I sleep, and then I work some more. I also have been out of the state the last couple weekends, and I normally record on weekends. My being out of the state on the weekends has not really been for pleasure, but for business. There will be more to come on that later as hopefully my fiance and I, Nicole, will be able to get a business up and running, so that is currently what I'm working on. I do have to say that the idea of starting a new business is a daunting, scary, but exciting proposition. I also think that the idea of scary along with exciting kind of goes hand in hand with tonight's episode, of course, Tonight's movie is something completely different as far as what I'm going through. I can't imagine going through what the central character of tonight's film went through. But I think since we got a quick catch up on what I've been up to, I think it's time to get into the actual episode and announce tonight's film. Starring Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, and honestly, an incredible supporting cast in the 2023 Christopher Nolan written and directed Oppenheimer. The plot for this one is quite simple as it is a historical drama. It tells the story of J. Robert Oppenheimer and his development of the atomic bomb and the development of the Manhattan Project. This here is also a film that you have a lot of different opportunities to see it in a lot of different ways. I personally have seen it in the IMAX 70mm format, which is the preferred way to see it from director Christopher Nolan. I do recommend that if you have an opportunity to see this film in this format, it's an absolutely stunning presentation that will definitely stick with you long after you left the theater. I saw this one last night, and while the movie itself I really did enjoy, I felt it was a little bit dry, which we'll get into a little bit later. It's just that it was like nothing else that I've seen or haven't seen in a very, very long time, and it was awesome. And I guess I already worked myself into a hole because I said that the movie was a little dry, and I guess I should really elaborate on that. I intended to talk about this later in the episode, but I already got that out in the open, so I might as well go ahead and try to elaborate on what I mean by that. This is a great movie. It's actually a wonderful movie that I don't know if it was the right time to release it in the summer, But this was definitely quite the experience. It's a movie that's very long. It does feel its length. Surprisingly enough, the first hour, I thought, went by really quick. It's that going into the third hour that really was the issue for me. This movie is very uneven. I think it's a very well-told story with how Christopher Nolan approached it. 
but I feel like the movie should have been even longer. Uh, We should have gotten maybe two parts of this one, or maybe a five-hour movie, which I couldn't even imagine sitting in that IMAX theater for five hours, considering the seats in the IMAX theater I saw it at, which was the Regal Theater in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Well, those seats weren't exactly the best, and I know that that might be a IMAX issue considering it's a IMAX licensed theater and the seats are a little bit different than that actual theater's problem. Then again, maybe I'm spoiled. I miss those recliners from the other theaters. However, I would take a little bit of discomfort for the absolute amazing presentation that this film provided over my absolute comfort. So there's really three things going on in the film Oppenheimer. For one, we have the story of J. Robert Oppenheimer himself. We get a little bit of insight into how he thought, which I thought was wonderful. I really did like seeing a little bit of insight into the man himself and how he thought, his thought process. It really does show somebody who wanted to change the world in a positive way, and instead he may have changed it in a negative way. I think that's a point that Christopher Nolan really wanted to get across here, and he did so very well. A lot of people in the past have criticized Christopher Nolan as far as some of the character development, but I honestly never had an issue with it. I think some of the colder elements of Nolan's storytelling here actually really served the material quite well. We see Oppenheimer as a empathetic type of person. However, he seems to be on almost a higher plane of existence as far as the way that he thinks. And I think that's one of the things that made him so intelligent and harnessed this godlike power of this weapon of mass destruction that he made. We then also have the story of the actual creation of the hydrogen atomic bomb, as well as getting to see some of those tests. It is pretty awesome when we see the successful detonation of the atomic bomb. It is well worth the price of admission to see it in this premium IMAX format just for that. The third story that's actually going on as well is the security hearing, which of course... Oppenheimer was more or less a victim of the McCarthy-era communist witch hunt, which honestly is kind of a sad story because Oppenheimer was dealing with his own guilt over the bombing in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So I almost got the feeling that Oppenheimer himself allowed himself to be put on trial just because of his own guilt. That didn't necessarily make anything better for him, but I think he felt like it's what he deserved. This is somebody that provided a service to his country and yet was put on trial, chewed up and spit out by the very country that he served. So we really do have those three storylines going on at all different times of the movie. It's just that I didn't think that the third part of the film, the actual trials, were nearly as compelling as the rest of the story or the actual story of Oppenheimer himself. I can't imagine being a director or being in Christopher Nolan's shoes and trying to balance all of this at once. It's just that it's a little uneven, and by the time the actual atomic bomb went off, and it's not that I was necessarily just waiting for that moment, I did know it was going to be something awesome, 
It's just that nothing that comes after that could really come close to the suspense and the music and everything going on at once. It really did have a feeling of like a horror movie of reaching that inevitable moment that you know is going to be awesome to see on screen, but also that this is going to have a terrible effect on the people of Japan. So with me saying that the film was a little dry, it's by no means a detractor. I actually enjoyed the movie quite a bit. It just felt a little bit uneven and it wasn't as compelling towards the end as what it was at the beginning. If anything, I kind of applaud Christopher Nolan here for actually being able to provide these multiple storylines going on and putting it into a relatively compact three hours where the movie itself could have been five or six hours long to begin with. The other major thing that this film has going for it is the actors themselves, and I think everybody here gives such a strong performance, it's really tough to pick out anyone that may have been not on top of their game while working on this film. Killian Murphy as J. Robert Oppenheimer is awesome. His expressions throughout the movie, he's able to act without saying a word, and I always love that when I see that on screen. Not only that, he looks really, really close to the actual Oppenheimer. We also get great support from a lot of different actors. One of them is Robert Downey Jr., who, in a limited role, is absolutely commanding in the little bit of screen time that he has. It's tough to actually call him a villain in the movie, but he plays a great villain here. We also have a great turn from Emily Blunt, who I haven't really seen her in a lot of films, but she's absolutely fantastic here as well. It's a film that there's not one performance where you feel the actor is phoning it in. We also get a fantastic score throughout this one. It's hard to imagine Oppenheimer not cleaning up at Oscar time because I really can't imagine another film that really would be able to top this one. The movie itself is close to perfection. I didn't 100% love it. However, I do imagine that on future viewings, I'm going to probably wind up loving this one eventually. It was seemed like it was a lot to take in, honestly. It was with the images... With the experience itself, it was a movie that I honestly would actually like to see it again in that 70mm IMAX version because I know I won't be able to get that same experience at home. This is a film that I have been thinking about ever since I left the theater last night and I don't think I'll forget it anytime soon. I definitely won't forget the experience of seeing it in a 70mm IMAX format. And I think that may be one of the big things that might make me think that it's going to be tough to watch it in a non-theater setting. One thing that I haven't touched upon is the fact that this is a film that uses supposedly no CGI. I don't know if there is any. I'm sure there's some sort of augmentation somewhere. But supposedly there is no actual full-on CGI creations. And I think that's an absolutely great thing. We've gotten lazy as the public to expect that. And I think some directors may have gotten lazy with that as well, as well as the studios. There's a lot of people to blame as far as that. CGI has kind of taken over the whole thing. And that's a shame because I kind of miss the days of, you know, actually 
having those creatives create those things actually on set and it honestly makes a huge difference. There's a lot of times you can tell if something is there in the frame or not. We've trained ourselves to just kind of accept it. But this is kind of old school filmmaking and I have to really applaud Christopher Nolan for sticking to his guns and actually doing this the old-fashioned way, the way that films should be made. This movie, too, didn't have a ballooning budget. It had a budget of $100 million and I didn't hear any word of going over that budget. I do have to hope that with the success of Oppenheimer and Christopher Nolan proving that it can be done without CGI and doing full-on CGI creations and shots, and that you're able to actually create there on set. I do hope that that means we're in for an absolute change. I know that with the movie Mad Max Fury Road, that movie was supposed to have no CGI, and yet it was absolutely loaded with it. So unless something comes out that says this movie was a full-on CGI creation, I'm going to say this is a victory for practical effects and filmmakers in general. Because honestly, the results are stunning, and it shows it makes a difference. There is a good possibility that Oppenheimer might be Christopher Nolan's finest work, as well as his greatest achievement as a filmmaker. I do like other films and his filmography a little bit better, However, I can't imagine him actually topping this one. It'll definitely be exciting to see what he has up his sleeve next. Will he have something just as ambitious? Will he always be able to push this boundary? Who knows, really? All I know is that this was a definite surprise. I wasn't expecting it to be as close to as good and as engaging as what it actually was. And then I wasn't expecting the actual experience of seeing it in that IMAX to be as epic as what it was. There is also one more thing I have to say about the actual experience. There's one thing that I didn't realize I actually missed from actual film projection. And that's the sound of the projector. I haven't heard that in a long time. And it was almost a magical sound to actually hear that in the theater again. It was also a reminder at how good and detailed an actual movie shot on film, projected with film, can actually look. I forgot about all that. I've been watching digital movies in a theater for, what, at least 10 years now? And yet this was able to tap into that little bit of cinema and movie magic and the theater experience that I honestly forgot was lost. My recommendation is if you do have the opportunity, if it's within a couple hours of you, go see it in the 70mm IMAX projection. It's definitely an experience you will not forget. If you don't have that opportunity because those theaters are few and far between, then I would say go see it in a theater that has the absolute biggest screen that you can see this one on. Because you definitely want to have that experience. This is a movie that deserves to be seen on the biggest screen possible. And if you see it on a smaller screen, it's probably not going to ruin your experience in any way. Because this is going to be a fantastic film, however you see it. But this is definitely one that is not a normal summer blockbuster, yet is one that you should go out there and definitely check out.
I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you don't do the whole social media thing, you can reach out to me at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. If you're enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? Tell two friends for that matter. Or if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice, as that will help me reach new listeners as well as continue to create new content. But with that being said, remember to always be kind and good night.